For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hello, and welcome to What to Say When Things Get Tough, a podcast dedicated to helping you communicate effectively in difficult situations, both professional and personal. Today, my guest is a longtime friend and colleague, Sherry Rosenblatt. Sherry is the Vice President for Marketing and Communications at the Cannes Manufacturers Institute, and when we first met, she held a similar position at the National Turkey Federation, which I mention only because I love to tell this story about her. Every year, as Chairman of the National Turkey Federation, has the honor of selecting two turkeys who receive full pardons from the President of the United States in the days leading up to Thanksgiving. And one year, she was chosen as the turkey's official hostess, which meant she got to stay with them in a hotel suite in the very prestigious Willard Hotel in Washington, D.C., and then she had the pleasure of escorting them, in first class, no less, on United Airlines, to Disneyland in California, where they lived out their lives in peace and security. We discuss lessons that Sherry has learned from her many years helping food-related organizations navigate difficult communication situations, as well as some of the specific challenges and opportunities related to COVID-19. And Sherry provides a clinic in message discipline as she artfully describes the many benefits of canned foods and beverages. Enjoy. I was thinking as I was getting ready for this, you're one of my oldest friends, colleagues, clients here in Washington. We worked together when you were at the National Turkey Federation. Now you're with the Can Manufacturing Institute, but maybe you can start off by telling us how you got interested in the field of communications. It's interesting. I actually have a degree in human ecology. I wanted to help those that were underserved communities to... Uh, counsel them on helping them to have a better life as they uh, were growing up. And I couldn't afford to do that. There wasn't any money to be made in it. So I went to a headhunter mm-hmm. and my very first job was in the communications department of a very large trade association, the Food Marketing Institute. I spent 15 years there and then moved over, as you just mentioned, to the National Turkey Federation, where I spent 14 years. So after two associations, one about the supermarket industry, one specifically about Turkey, the food, not the country, I had the great fortune to take my next venture at the Can Manufacturers Institute. And so those are the folks who actually make cans and they sell them to beverage companies and food companies to package them so that consumers can have nutritious, tasty foods and drinks that they can utilize all year round. Well, I, I want to delve more into 
what you're doing now and how the can industry is faring in the age of COVID-19. But first, it seems that the common thread in your career, other than that first job you discussed, is, is food. And I'm curious, have there been consistent challenges from a communication standpoint across the different jobs that you've had because they're all food related? You know, not necessarily. I would say that, you know, when I was at the Food Marketing Institute, it's the supermarket industry. So you're talking about everything from advertising to warehousing. And that could be a plethora of possibilities. And then when I went to the National Turkey Federation, it was about everything from the egg of the turkey to that deli meat. And here at the Can Manufacturers Institute, it's about a container that could be utilized for aerosol, for paint, for food, and for beverage. I would say that if I were going to look at one thread that came through all of my, my work at three different types of trade associations is that most industries mirror consumer lifestyles. So they provide products that fill the needs of the consumer at that time. And sometimes it's helping the consumer to even understand that they can find enjoyment out of the product because they might not be familiar with it or they just might have not had it in their meal rotation for, for years. I know when we worked at the, together when you were at the Turkey Federation that one ever-present concern was food poisoning, salmonella, other food safety issues. And I'm curious to know what were some of the challenges in that regard? Because I would think that when it comes to communicating in a difficult situation, trying to communicate to customers and regulators and others in a, when a crisis like that happens, has got to be among the more difficult challenges that you faced while you were there. Yeah, I think the most important thing is to know that there's a role for all of us to play along the chain. Um, and I think it's helpful to work with both the farmers, the processors, the further processors, that that's the cooked product. But then even moving on to, like you mentioned, regulators and consumers themselves, because we all have a role to play. And when it comes to food safety and you help consumers to know, one of the first things that they need to do is wash their hands. And it's one of the things we're learning right now, the simplest thing in the world, but the first thing that CDC and others told us when it came to COVID-19 is wash your hands. Our moms told us to wash our hands. So we're all getting a lot better about that first step of washing. I think when it comes specifically back to the days of, of food safety in my role at, at either the Food Marketing Institute or the National Turkey Federation, um, you know, explain that you shouldn't cross contaminate. They shouldn't have fresh produce on the same as raw meat that you need to check its temperature, make sure everything is cooked thoroughly and refrigerate promptly. Um, so those are just really good key learnings that we can help all of us as consumers to feel much more comfortable and confident in utilizing a variety of products. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about canned foods because here's a product that the way you take fruits and vegetables that have been picked at the peak of ripeness, sealed within hours, they are sealed with all of the nutrients locked in and all of that bacteria locked out. So it's a safe, quality, nutritious product that specifically at a time right now where people are concerned about food safety, it's nice for them to be reminded 
that we haven't seen a foodborne illness related to canned foods in 40 to 50 years. One thing that seems to be consistent is wash your hands. And as you point out today, it, that's number one, too, when it comes to protecting yourself from coronavirus. I think we were working together when one of the avian flus hit. Walk us through how you addressed a crisis from a communication standpoint like that and what some of the best practices that you've picked up along the way might be. Well, specifically what you're talking about with regard to avian influenza, at at that point in my career, there was a concern about a pandemic coming over from Asia. How interesting is that in the current time that we're living through now? It had some similarities in its name that were of concern to illnesses that poultry get, and they were not the same. So one of the things that we did initially was make sure that um, we worked with the U.S. government and helped USDA to be able to explain that this was an animal issue and it was not a food safety issue and that this potential pandemic then was what the HHS folks were going to be talking about. But having a really good issues management plan around ensuring the safety of the product from, in this specific example that you recommended or spoke about, from farm to fork is key and that there are communications with stakeholders all along the way that everybody understands and is is transparent about all of the actions that are taken if and when something might happen where, in this case, a flock got sick and they might, and they would never then make it to market. I think, you know, just to kind of bring it to my work today with the canned food or our our food can manufacturers, beverage can manufacturers, we use a lining that helps to ensure the safety and the quality of the product inside. And a lot of people don't even know that there is a lining. So helping people understand the importance that that plays, as I mentioned, in ensuring the safety and the quality of the product, Mm -hmm. talking with brand owners that, you know, companies that we all know and love that fill our products to help them understand, to help consumer groups understand, um, and ultimately the consumer at large, that this is a safe, quality, nutritious, affordable, and accessible product. Can you talk a little bit about how you're doing that without revealing any uh, trade secrets that you might want to? Oh, sure. Um, You know, I think specifically about canned foods and and canned linings, you know, one of the things that we realized was that there were some components of the canned lining that were of concern to NGOs and others. And we knew that customers and consumers were looking to make sure that we still had a lining that would maintain the quality of the product inside. And could we find new components to that lining that would still maintain that integrity of of this ironclad container that people have for years known to have shelf-stable food. Um, And so can makers with their can lining customers began to test these new linings, talk with consumer product goods companies, so those are the brands that you know, and test them and see if they will withstand the test of time, if you will. Will they maintain the quality, the taste, the texture, so that we can move from one kind of lining to another one and have the ability ability to continue to utilize a new lining that people will trust 
and know that it will continue to contain this, the shelf life, the integrity of the food itself. And how generally is the can industry doing in this wake of this pandemic? It's an interesting time. What's at a time when everyone was kind of panicking and doing some panic buying, we saw canned food shelves empty in supermarkets. And we knew that this was an opportunity for us to help people when they were feeling extremely stressed out about how they could find comfort in cooking with canned foods. We have, we have a, um, social media platforms called Cans Get You Cooking, um, where we're providing recipe ideas that can utilize those canned foods that are sitting in people's pantries and that they can have a lovely meal with their family. Um, they can have a lovely opportunity of cooking with their kids. And that even as we move through to this new phase in our lives, that they'll find that their experience with products will be lifelong experiences that they feel very comfortable, rewarding, and utilizing um, as we move into this, whatever this new normal might look like. So it sounds like in, in your case, you were able to take the offensive in a way as a result of this to remind people how safe cans are. And I think people are worried about things like, I, they don't want to lose money along with not, of course, food waste and all of those sorts of things. So there's something very comforting in knowing that I have a cupboard full of canned foods that I can utilize to make breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack. And I don't have to worry about what might be in my refrigerator that I, that I ultimately will feel very guilty about if I had to throw it away. So that's, you know, that's one piece of it. I think the other piece of it is as food service kind of closed down and there were many food service establishments that had kegs of beer, they realized that they could can those kegs and sell them off premise that way. So there was an opportunity as, you know, more and more beverage cans are being filled with wine or beer or, you know, kombucha, um, that these food service establishments saw an opportunity, once again, using this ironclad safe container to move their product through their establishments. You mentioned early on, as people were doing some panic hoarding, canned goods were in short supply. Were there communications challenges associated with that? Immediately upon this shutdown, uh, we went into full high gear to make sure that every state along with the federal government ensured that the food manufacturing, the can, the beverage can manufacturing, the aerosol can manufacturing, those are the disinfectants, were considered essential. And so that we could continue to be making those cans and delivering to those industries that filled them and that they could continue to move through the supply chain. Unprecedented amount of product moving through the system, but we went into high gear to make sure that that would continue as we saw canned food shelves bare. Um, we knew we could continue to to make those cans, get them to the fillers and get them into retail, retail store shelves. Even before COVID-19 reared its ugly head, businesses had been operating in what a lot of people are calling a post-truth world, where we have alternative facts and developments that make it so much harder for everybody to communicate with trust and credibility. Had you adjusted in any way as a result of this new paradigm in terms of the way you communicate? 
I think that the whole uh, discussion we had earlier about helping stakeholders understand the role that the lining plays in ensuring the quality of the product inside when prior we might not have actually had that conversation and realizing that as people learn, whomever those stakeholders are, government agencies, NGOs, customers, consumers, the innovations in can manufacturing that are all in an effort to provide this quality product um, was really important to us. And um, manufacturing isn't something that everybody inherently talked about. And we just thought as an industry, it was important that we get out there and really talk about the innovations that we've made, the progress that we've made, the the amount of tests that went wrong so that we could get it right. So those sort of honest conversations um, were very fruitful in helping us to to build bridges um, and maintain trust in in this container that really has for since Napoleon provided a way to get food to consumers. Over the course of your long career, and I sort of hinted at this earlier, for anyone who may be facing a communications in a difficult situation, what have you learned that you think can be helpful to them? Being truthful, being honest, um, knowing what you know, um, knowing what you don't know, and being and and being you know honest about um, what you might need to get back to someone on. I think really one of just to step back. Looking at the landscape, seeing what the issues might be, having a good issues management plan. If you would, what would be incorporated in a good issues management plan? Well, a good issues management plan would have the steps that one would take if it's like an insurance policy. Here are all of the things that we will do if this happens. And it could be everything from monitoring the news to see if an area that might be a challenge starts to be discussed, making sure that you have folks who are on the ready, who are experts in the field to be able to speak to an issue, knowing that you have spoken to stakeholders, once again, whether they're government agencies or um, NGOs or specific sorts of groups that um, would benefit from having the information prior to there being some sort of a crisis, all can be part of a good, strong issues management plan. So if for any reason you had to push the red button, um, you had all the mechanisms in place to deal with that moment in time that you hope is really just a moment that you can then move back to get into the other side of sort of like what we're living with now, that pandemic of can we transition from that one moment of a crisis, in this case, that would be a good issues management plan that would hopefully move from crisis to recovery in a quick way. One thing you mentioned, and that's contacts with stakeholders. I think it's important to note that those relationships can't be punched at the point of a crisis. You have to have good relationships with those stakeholders leading into it. So there is that trust and credibility that pre-exists the crisis. So you're not just calling a regulator or some other stakeholder after a year and a half of not being in touch because suddenly there's a crisis. Absolutely. And I think that's 
as I suggested, uh, a good portion of your issues management plan should be about having built those relationships with stakeholders and having those continuous conversations and answering questions um, that might be of concern so that everybody's clear that here's, for example, I think I was talking about trusting cans and can linings. Here is what we go through to ensure that that lining withstands the integrity that it needs to, to maintain the quality and the safety of the food. I appreciate your taking this time to talk a little bit about cans and your other experience in the food industry and communications. I'm glad you, you uh, are doing well and the industry, you seem to be in one industry that is, I don't want to say taking advantage of the situation, that's not the right phrase, but is, uh, is prospering to some degree. We're, we're, we're proud to be able to offer comfort in a time when people are very uh, anxious. And so if the one thing that we can do is provide comfort, whether it's through food or beverages, we're glad that we're an industry that's able to do that. And I too thank you, Leonard, for having me today on your podcast. And I'm glad to see that you're doing well. And I hope that you and your family stay safe, stay well. Well, you too. Since our main topic today was food, here are some songs that I recommend as accompaniments to this week's episode. The Candyman by Sammy Davis Jr. Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard. Strawberry Fields Forever by The Beatles. And finally, in memory of the recently departed Little Richard, Tutti Frutti. Join us next week for a discussion of the critical role that trust and credibility play in communicating effectively in difficult situations. We now have a dedicated email where you can send questions or comments, wtswtgt at gmail.com. That's the initials for what to say when things get tough, wtswtgt at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at hashtag wtswtgt. Original music by Jim Cirillo, who can be found at jimiumgroup.com, J-I-M-I-U-M group.com. Original art by C.C. Snetzinger. And until next time, always be positive. who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, 
Download the white paper from audiostack.ai.